Praise the Lord. It's good to see all of you here this morning. If you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians. That's my assistant over there. I sat down for lunch with my father the other day, and as we were sitting there eating, he said, uh, what are you working on today? And I said, I'm trying to figure out what to preach on Sunday. I explained to him that I had a message and uh, that I planned to preach, but it just didn't feel right. I explained that I had something, uh, again, planned, but um, in the sermon I had planned, it was, it was a good one. It's, it's one that I'd preached elsewhere. Uh, never here, but I preached elsewhere. And when I, I preached it, the altar was flooded. And it was a great response to the message, but for some reason I just, I didn't feel in my spirit that the timing was right to bring that message here. And the problem was I didn't really have anything else brewing to preach. And, uh, you know, that might be something only preachers can understand or maybe teachers, you, you got this deadline, you got to have something to say, or at least you're supposed to have something to say. And, you know, outside of that, I really didn't have anything. And so we sat there and we talked a while and he uh, asked if I'd seen the video that he posted the other day on Facebook. And I said, no. And he said, you've got to see this. So I'm going to steal it before he gets a chance to use it. (laughs) Probably. He then handed me his phone and on the screen was this fossil of an elderly preacher who he looked literally as if he didn't have a joint in his body that, that moved right. His, his hands were turned in like this from arthritis, and his, his head was kind of forward. It only happens to somebody that's very, very advanced in years. And this is what he said. He said, the word is described in the word as a hammer. The word is described in the word as a fire. The word is described in the word as a sword. Is it not reasonable that I, if I have preached the word, there will be people who are hammered, who like the hard rock are smashed to pieces? Is it not reasonable to suppose that if I have preached the word, There will be those who have been pierced by the sword of the Spirit. Is it not reasonable to suppose that there are those who have been called and without passion who are set on fire for Jesus Christ? If I have preached the word, is it sensible to think that I have preached the word and nobody has been smashed, nobody has been pierced, and nobody has been ignited? powerful word in a time where many sermons are more about self-help messages, funny stories, and the charismatic speaker. But it is the job of the preacher to preach the word of God with power and to smash that which is within us that resists the word of God, to pierce to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and a marrow, and discerning of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
It is the preacher's job to ignite the church so that there is a passion in the hearts of believers to do the work of the kingdom. It is the calling of the preacher to expose the lies we tell ourselves that keeps us from becoming the new creation that God has called us to be. And so this is what I'm going to endeavor to do today. The title of my message this morning is, Can You? Can't You? Won't You? Just please stand as we read from Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Listen to that again. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we pray that you would come and by your word, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would smash us to bits with your word, that you would pierce our hearts, Lord, that you would set us on fire, God. Lord, that you would by your truth, expose the lies that we have told ourselves that say we can't or we won't. Lord, may we know in your word that you say we can. In your name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. For a moment, this is something I've done in the past, but for a moment, let's just break this verse down. Very simple verse. I. Who is this referring to? Obviously, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He's the one saying that he can do all things through Christ that strengthens him. But is it just referring to Paul? Paul seemed to be able to do pretty much about anything, if you know the story of his life and his mighty deeds. At one point, Paul was bitten by a venomous snake, and he simply shook off the snake and went about his business as if nothing had happened unharmed. He was beaten and stoned many times, and he got up and went right back to preaching and doing the very things that got him beat up and stoned in the first place. He saw angels shake prison doors so hard that they fell off their hinges. He struck people blind and even raised the dead. Perhaps this verse is for the apostles who performed incredible miracles who spoke in languages they never learned, who cast out demons, and who brought the gospel to the world. Perhaps it's also for the apostles or for the prophets who called down fire out of heaven after having shut up the heavens for three and a half years. Maybe it was for those that we read of who were carried away on chariots of fire or who parted the Red Sea, who raised the dead and again sat with hungry lions untouched. And stood in the midst of fiery furnaces. Maybe it was for men like Peter who walked on water. Or John who foretold the things yet to come in the end of days. Maybe it was for Samson who killed a thousand Philistines with just the jawbone of a donkey. Or killed a lion with his bare hands. Maybe it was for David anointed by God to take down the giant Goliath. Maybe it was for Caleb who ran uphill faster than all the young men of Israel to rush into battle at 80, 90 years old. Maybe it's for the anointed, dynamic men of God in our day, the powerful preachers of God's word and those who walk in special anointing to heal and perform miracles. But is it for you? Yes. Yes, it is. 
This word is for you. The Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write these words for your instruction and for mine. You see, there was nothing special in these men, all these men that I mentioned. There was nothing special about them. James tells us Elijah was a human being, just like we are. In James 5.17, Elijah, who is considered the greatest of the prophets, save for Moses, was a human being just like you and I. Peter, James, John, Paul, Moses, Daniel, Ezekiel, and Elisha were simply men like you and I. Elijah wasn't superhuman. He didn't have superpowers. He's not like Thor and Captain America that you see in the movies. He was just an ordinary man who was empowered by the almighty God of heaven. In light of that fact, I want you to say this verse with me. Ready? One, two, three. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. One more time. One, two, three. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. So as I read this verse from here on out today, instead of I, I'm going to say you. Just to remind you of who we're talking about. All right? You can. You are able. It's not that some people are able, but you are able, and you are able, and you are able, and you are able, and you are able. I don't know how many times I hear people say, I can't do it. I can't change. I can't get healed from my past. I can't let go. I can't share the gospel with other people. I can't understand. I can't do this or that. But God's word says you can. You are able. You see, there are so many areas of the Christian walk and calling that we regularly say, I can't. The reality is that is a lie that we tell ourselves. It is not that you can't. Often the reality is what you're saying when you say I can't is I won't. You can be free of sin. You can be free of your hurt. You can be free of the past. You can forgive. You can overcome temptation. You can be healed. You can be free of that alcohol or drugs or pornography. You can, you can, you can. Philippians 4.13 says you can, and that's the bottom line because God's word said so. You can do. The word do suggests action. You are able to do something. If you use a thesaurus, yeah, a thesaurus, English is hard, folks, I'm telling you. If you use a thesaurus, you'll find a whole list of words that will help us define do. Do, perform, accomplish, complete, achieve, make, act, and carry out. You can do. You are able to take actions and do the things to live an extraordinary Christian life, to live out all the things in Scripture that a believer is called to do. Again, I hear so many people say things like, I can't share the gospel. I don't know what to say. You know what the Bible says? Jesus said in Mark 13, 11, 
Do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking. It is the Holy Spirit. You see, when you walk in the presence of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is truly in you and you walk in His presence, you don't need to worry about what to say because He is going to speak through you. It's not hard to share the gospel. I say this to people often. All you have to do to get an opening to share the gospel is just say, hey, let me ask you a question. If you died tonight, do you know where you would spend eternity, in heaven or in hell? Again, God said to the believers in Mark, don't worry about what you'll say. Let the Holy Spirit speak through you. Rely on me, God says, and I'll do it with you. Fear is the reason most people don't share the gospel. Do you know what the Bible says about fear? Somebody tell me, do not be afraid. Fear not. It's cliche. It's cliche. I see it on Facebook all the time. God in the Bible says 365 times, do not be afraid or fear not, one for every day of the year. But God also says, do not be afraid because I am with you. I'm with you. So there's no reason to be afraid. It also says in the word that God gives us, he doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You can overcome your fear because God has given you power, love, and self-control, and he is with you. It's not that we can't, because we can. I hear people say things like, I can't forgive. You don't understand what I've been through. Pastor, if you only knew, you would understand why I can't forgive. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. How many would admit that God forgave you of a lot? He's forgiven me of a lot. And if he's forgiven me of a lot, then I owe forgiveness to everybody else. And let me tell you what, that seems impossible. It may seem impossible. You you may go, again, pastor, you just don't understand my situation and what happened. But let me tell you what, God will not tell you to do something that he will not empower you to do. God will not call you to do something. God will not tell you to do something that he will not empower you to do. I hear people say things like, Pastor, I just can't resist temptation. Let me tell you what, that's one area where it's not that you can't, you won't. And that's a sobering thought. The day that I realize that the reason I sin is not because I can't help myself. The reason I continue to sin is because I won't stop. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. All we have to do is resist the enemy. All we have to do is resist temptation, and it will be gone. The reason we say we can't resist temptation is not because we can't, we won't, and we won't because, here's the truth, we really like to sin. You see, we don't keep doing things... Unless there's a payoff. And yes, 
It will become like slavery once you do it enough. But it's because we continue in it. And it makes us feel good on some level until we're trapped in it. And we shall see, as we shall see, the Lord has set us free from the curse of power and sin. You just need to learn to walk in the freedom that God has given us. And that starts by saying, I can defeat the sin in my life. As long as you say you can't, let me tell you, you never will. You can do what? All things. One of the other ways that we can translate that word do is endure. What is it that we can endure? All things. Whatever comes in life, through the power that Christ uh, supplies to you, you can make it through. You can endure. There comes a point where a runner feels as if he cannot go on. They call it the runner's wall. But if that runner pushes on, if he endures, if he pushes through that wall, he will break through that wall. To the, and, and what he will find is a new reserve of strength. He is enabled to go and continue as long as he doesn't give in or quit. He endures until he breaks through to the other side. The Apostle Paul speaks to this when he says, I run for the prize. He also says, I beat my body into submission. Paul uses this idea of an athlete to show the spiritual principle of taking control of oneself and being willing to give more to achieve something great, a spiritual life that is out of the ordinary. And so you see, there isn't anything you cannot do. There isn't anything you cannot endure. Next, you can do all things through Christ. Now, here's the good news, and maybe a little bit of the bad news for some of you. It's good news because it's not by our own strength that we're able to do all things. How many of you go, I get up in the morning, and most days I don't feel like I can do anything? But it's not by our strength. It's by His strength we are able to all do all things. Uh, again, in our strength we can't. That's why you say I can't so much of the time. You know you can't do it on your own. You can't overcome the enemy on your own. You can't cast out demons on your own. You can't heal the sick on your own. You can't uh, do anything on your own, but you are not on your own. Jesus is the one who gives us strength, and his strength is limitless. He simply spoke, and the worlds were formed. He can heal the sick and raise the dead, control the weather, cast out demons. He walks on the water and ascends through the clouds. Praise God, it is not by our strength, but it's through his strength. Bad news is, for some of you perhaps, now you're out of excuses. No more excuses. Because through him, you can. With God, how many things are possible? All things are possible. Can the dead be raised to life? 
Can the blind see? Can the lives of terrible sinners be transformed into godly saints? Yes, 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 they can. Through the power of Yeshua the Messiah, you can do it because Yeshua, Jesus, strengthens you. You can do all things through Christ, which strengthens. How does this work? If you give me a big enough lever, I could move the world. It's the greatest explanation I have ever heard of this verse. Christ is the lever by which we can move the world. Faced with demons, how are you going to cast them out? You can cast them out because the one that is in you is greater than any that is in hell, in the world, or in the heavens. Every knee must bow before his mighty name. If you're moving in the power and authority of the one who sits on heaven's throne, there is no demon in hell or earth which is not subject to his authority. And it is his Holy Spirit and his power and his authority that resides in you as a believer. Need healing? It's in Christ's power that brings healing. Need to be free of sin? He's done it for you. The Bible says he defeated death. He ripped out uh, death's sting. He broke the power of sin in our lives. All you have to do is begin to walk in what he has already done. He washed you whiter than snow. He paid the price at the cross. He rose from the dead so you can live free from sin's curse. He secured the victory. Now you just need to live in it. You can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. Once again, it returns to you, to me. While it is in Christ's strength that we are able to do it, it is you that must take action. He makes us able to endure all things, but we are the ones that must be willing to endure. How many times have you prayed, God, you're just going to have to do this for me. I can't. And there are many things only God can accomplish, such as salvation. How many know that you can't do enough good works to earn your way into heaven? You can't give enough money in the offering plate to get into heaven. There's nothing that you can do on your own. It's probably one of the few areas where there's nothing we can do. Except accept the free gift that God gives us and walks in us. But there are things that you must do. You must do through the power of Messiah and the Holy Spirit that lives in you as a believer. You can, you can, you can. That sounds very much like a self-help message, and let me assure you, it is not. It's the reality of the Word of God. You can through Jesus and only through Jesus. I absolutely love what David Ring says. Anybody know who David Ring is? I don't see many hands, a few. David Ring is a powerful preacher of the Word of God. He was born with cerebral palsy. And he was told, no one, no one will ever want to hear you preach. We can barely understand you. You, you be, can barely stand up and walk to a pulpit. No one will ever want to hear you preach. He says, I have cerebral palsy 
and I serve the Lord with all that is within me. What's your excuse? Because this man that was told that no one would ever want to hear him preach has preached to millions of people in thousands of churches across the planet. If he can do it, what's your excuse? The thing I want to ask you this morning is what area of your life are you saying, I can't in? I can't be healed. I can't get free. I can't overcome my depression. I can't get over what happened to me. I can't get out from under my debt. I can't resist temptation. I can't understand the Bible. I can't share the gospel. I can't raise my hands and worship. I can't, I can't, I can't, or maybe it's I won't. But he says, you can. So what's the issue? Number one, very shortly, very quickly, sometimes it's just simply obedience to the word of God. Number two, faith in what Jesus said he came to do. I heard this recently and, and I, I tucked it away in my brain because I thought it was really good. Listen to Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, this is Jesus, and he is quoting from Isaiah who was prophesying about what the Messiah would do, what he would come to do. And we we find five things here in these verses that he came to do for us. First is proclaim the good news. What is the good news? The gospel. Jesus came to do what? To save and redeem men. Amen? Next, he came to set the captives free. Captive to what? Captive to sin. That's beyond salvation. That is making righteous saints who no longer walk in sin. Then he came to bring healing. Healing from what? Sickness, disease, depression, mental health issues, the past hurts that you carry. You name it, he came to heal it. Then to remove our oppression and give us liberty. What kind of oppression? Every kind. Spiritual physical, demonic, he came to bring us liberty from our oppression. And finally, to give us the favor of God. This is where you can and your faith in what God says really begins to walk hand in hand. Now I want to ask a question. Was it last week? I asked a lot of questions. (laughs) I got one for you today. What percentage of people that come to the Lord to be saved will be saved? Before you answer that, the Bible says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So in light of that verse, what percentage of those who come to him genuinely seeking salvation do you think he saves? What percentage? All, 100%, right? That's what it says. He has power. 
anyone who comes and truly says and, and means it, wants to repent of their sins, wants to make Jesus Lord of their life, Lord, save me, he has power to save every single one. He doesn't run out of salvation power. Uh, his blood redeems everyone who comes. There is no sin that he can't wash away. Agreed? So why do we think he only sets 20% of the captives free? Why do we think he only heals 2% 2 of those who need healing? Why do we only see 10% of those who suffer oppression from demons or depression or mental health issues freed? Why is it that so many Christians struggle through life when the Lord said, what I've come to do is I've come to show you the favor of God. It's because we really don't believe it or don't understand it, and so we end up saying things like, I can't walk in what Jesus came to give me. How many of you want to walk in everything that Jesus came to give you? See, Jesus didn't just come to save. He came to free you from your sin. Stop saying, I can't, you know, stop, uh, stop saying I can't and start walking in what the Savior has done for you by saying no to sin. He came to free 100% of us from temptation and sinful habits. Jesus just didn't come to give us eternal life. He came with healing in his wings for 100% of those who receive him. I'm not sure how you guys have received the new song. We sang some recently, Tear Off the Roof. Some of you still look undecided, or maybe you don't know it yet. Gunner said to me the other week after I sang it, he said, Dad, why you got to make everything sound like 60s rock? I said, it's just who I am, son. I'm sorry. But I love the line in it. And, and we need to be like the woman who in the song says, and in the scripture says, I didn't come here to hide in the crowd. I'm reaching out my hand to get the healing. I've got a faith beyond the bleeding. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, there's more power in the hem of his garment than it is in all the camp of the enemy. You see, you think about how many people Stay back from the Lord. They don't want to get close. And this is the way we need. We need to be like this woman. I'm not stopping. If I've got to crawl on my hands and knees through this crowd of people, I'm going to get to him. I'm going to grab the hem of his garment and get my healing. He didn't come to just set a few free from the oppression of the demonic world or even the oppression of men. He came to set us all free. John 8.36 says, If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. If Jesus sets us free, we are free indeed. If you're still being oppressed by something, cry out to Jesus, set me free. Messiah came to show us the favor of God. Surely he has shown us the favor of God by saving us. But the favor of God is so much more than simply salvation. Again, he came for many, many more reasons than to simply give us eternal life. 
Now, I'm always careful to not preach divine health that Christians should never, ever, ever get sick. Uh, most of the people I know that, that taught that, uh, they got sick and died. And I'm careful to not fall into things like the prosperity gospel, which is a distortion of what the Word of God teaches. But I would also distort the Word of God if I fail to preach to you that God wants to show you His favor. And some of that favor is health as well as financial prosperity. It goes much farther than simply those things, though. Are you with me? God desires to bless his people, to show them favor, to show them healing, to show them miracles, to show them blessings. And it starts with saying, I can because my God can. You know why David knew God's favor? When everyone else was hiding in their tents and hunkered down in the trenches as Goliath bellowed, David said, you know what? I'll go out there and fight him. And he stepped out onto the battlefield. And God showed him favor as he slung that stone at the giant. And so if you got giants in your life, you have to stand up to them to know God's favor. Daniel and his friends, we've been looking at it on Monday nights. Uh, uh, Daniel and his friends, they honored God. And because they honored God, God honored them. And he gave them favor at every level. One of my favorite stories, Jonathan, he saw him and his armor bearer without, and they saw a whole squad of Philistine soldiers, and he said to his armor bearer, he said, hey, I got a thought. See that big troop of Philistines over there? It's just me and you, but let's go over there and start a fight, and let's see if God will be with us. Pretty bold, isn't it? He said, you know what? We can take them. Let's go find out, and maybe God's favor will be with us, and it was. And here's the reality of walking in the realm of I can. David would never see the giant fall until he stepped out onto the battlefield. The lame man didn't get healed until Peter and John walked up to him and said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Peter couldn't walk on water until he got over saying, I can't, and climbed out of the boat. I think to myself, when I read that story, or I hear that story, if the other 11 guys saw Peter walk on water, do you think it occurred to any of them to say, I can do that too? I don't think it did. I think the other 11 guys were still back in the boat going, he's doing it, but I can't. He's crazy. I ain't doing that. The Lord desires to bless his children and show us his favor. But we're never going to know these things until we stop saying I can't and start saying I can because of Yeshua who strengthens me. You can because the same spirit that was in Peter, James, John, Moses, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and his friends is in you. The same spirit that empowered them, the same God who performed miracles through them is in you. The third and final reason why many of us are still in the I can't camp is because we've never really known Jesus to the depths he has called us to. 
We've never been so immersed in his presence and power that we are fundamentally changed. This is um, an example I gave uh, a couple of years back, and I'm, it came to mind again, so I'm going to use it again. Galatians 3.27 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. How many of you understand we need to put on Christ? We need to be in Christ. Over and over and over again in the Bible it says, in Christ, put on Christ, wear him like clothes, get immersed in him, be transformed by him. What does it mean to be in Christ? One word, pickled. Some of you may remember this. It's the best I ever heard to describe being in Christ. The thought of baptism, when Paul speaks about being baptized into Christ, is to be immersed into something until the point of change. It's like staying in the bathtub so long you're permanently wrinkled. The Greek for baptism is not to quickly dip something in. It means to submerge it and leave it there for a while. We do not put on Christ until we have been so submerged in him that we fundamentally change into his image. It's like a cucumber that goes into vinegar. Vinegar, You must leave it in long enough that it becomes a pickle. Once it is a pickle, it can never go back to being a cucumber. So that's what you're all supposed to be, a church full of pickled people. And the answer to learning that you can is drawing so close to the Lord that his presence overwhelms you, envelops you, surrounds you, fills you to the point where sin, demons, sickness, temptation, oppression must flee and bow before his authority. If you want to walk in the I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me of Scripture, you have to be filled up. Jesus. And so we have to stop holding back in worship. We have to stop holding back in prayer. We have to start saying no to sin and temptation. And we need to stay in the Word of God and let it consume us until we're all able to say, I can. Amen? Would you stand, worship team, if you would come on back.